Wow, that's exciting. You know, when you ride a bike 500 miles and get up to preach the next day, you're kind of sleepy <laughs> and you're kind of tired. But I want you to know that it was a fantastic and an awesome experience. Um, and Eric and I want to thank all the riders for riding, Chris and Mike and and uh, Dave and Jared and, is that it? And you and me? Well, thank us too. I thank us for doing that and being able to be a part of that, uh, something greater than ourselves. And really, it ties right into our series in terms of Live More and what we're doing. So we are part four in Live More. And uh, this series basically um, is for people who are, who are asking this question uh, or have made this statement, there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than this. Some of us say it that way. They make this, that statement. We say it in an, in an, in an event or a situation or we're tired. Um, things are happening. Some of us ask us at a question of success and, and we're saying, man, is this all there is? And, uh, God says, um, there is more. There is more. In fact, he put into play four promises. Um, that we've been talking about so far this uh, this series, four core promises that illustrate and demonstrate that there is absolutely more to this life than what we may be experiencing in the moment. And so we've, we've been rolling through that. Um, and Eric gave us a great definition to start off with of what a promise is. A lot of us have had promises made to us from humans, from other people. But God makes, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And a promise is an offer. It's an offer. God is offering us this opportunity, this promise. Um, it's an offer with a guaranteed result. And God, will, God guarantees his result. And we, we can see that over and over and over again. Um, Eric also expressed um, in, week, in the, uh, week one, he talked about if, if God's making this promise, to us, if God has four core promises that promise that we can live the best life possible, that there is more to this life than what we are currently experiencing, then we need to know his promise. We need to know what these promises are. We should work to understand what they are, and we should definitely, absolutely pursue his promise. Right? Amen? And the reason for this is because we are all on a spiritual journey. Every single one of us here, we are on a spiritual journey. We have a spirit, and there's a, there's a part in us that God put in, in us, because God is spirit. He put in us this longing to understand, the, understand His plan for our, our lives, a yearning to know, why am I here? What's my purpose? Do I have a purpose? You know, is this it? Work and home and movies and entertainment, is that it? There there's, has to be something more. That comes from our spirit that God has put in, inside of us. And we are all on a spiritual journey. And that's why we need to know, understand and pursue God's promises. And these four promises were um, showed, um, presented or revealed to us in, its, in Exodus 6 in the story of Moses. Uh, maybe, you, you, I don't know if you don't know or not, just make a note there, Exodus 6, you can, it's in the front part of the Bible, you can go check it out. Um, it's when uh, God is telling Moses 
The people of Israel are, are stuck in slavery. They become enslaved by the Egyptians. And I'm going to do four things to get them out. I'm going to, I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to free them. I'm going to redeem them. And I'm going to make them my people. And those are the four core promises um, that he promised them. And it's, it's his promises for mankind. Uh, so we started looking at promise one. So we, that was a start here. Basically, we talked about the need to repent, to let go, and to commit our life. We talked about repent as just make the move, change, move, uh, go a different direction than you're currently on. This one really stands on, an, on its own, God bringing us out. <clears throat> the next, uh, Eric, last week, Eric talked about um, um, the promise of freedom. My slides are off. Yeah, go to the next slide. Oh, right, yeah. Promise of freedom. Victory over sin. I just read it. Look, I rode a bike 500 miles last week, okay? It's coming since like The uh, part three is, uh, Eric talked about last week, victory over sin. Uh, and this is the promise of freedom, right? Victory over sin, healing from wounds, and, a, and he, God gives us um, authority over our uh, over our enemy, um, who's who who has put us in that bondage, that slavery. All right, I'm gonna drink some water, I'll do some jumpy jacks. Be right with you. <laughs> Eric emphasized the fact that relationships are key. Water baptism, church membership, small groups, those things. We are starting small groups this week. Um, sign ups, guys, sign up, get involved, get involved in, in a small group, in a place where you can have that interaction, um, where you can experience, um, that freedom when we work together to get Egypt out of us, right? So here are the verses. I want to show you this, um, in Exodus 6. These are the actual verses that we've been talking about. Therefore, uh, this is God talking to Moses. Uh, therefore, say to, to the Israelites, I am the Lord. So he starts by emphasizing who he is, as in, I am more than able to do this. I created the heavens and the earth. I have all the power I need. I can do whatever I want. In fact, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. We're going to talk about that today. And I will take you as my own people. And I will be your God. And this is such a key turn in, the, in, this, in, in what God is saying. He says, then. And I would like to say, then and only then will you know that I am the Lord your God. When we, when we activate all four of these promises in our lives, when we allow God to move in our life and activate and walk in these promises, it's then that we really understand what Christianity is about. It's then that we really know who God is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, from that slavery, from slavery to sin. And all that goes with that. So the four promises, those, those four I wills, as we call them, can be summarized as this. Promise of salvation, freedom, restoration, and fulfillment. So we're doing um, restoration, a promise of restoration today. And that's part four. Um, and basically, there is more. It's, there is more. Um, 
But I want to talk first about the word redeem, because he says, I will redeem you. Now, sometimes the terms we use are difficult because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what I can think of redeem in the context of um, I want to redeem my coupon at the grocery store or whatever, but we're not really sure. So just, just quickly, some, some uh, you know, dictionary definitions for redeem, three of them. The first definition for redeem is to buy back or to repurchase. Okay, so if you think of it, it's not purchase like you went to Kohl's or TJ Maxx. It's repurchase like you went to the flea market, right? So Jesus came into the flea market, and there you are with all the other stuff that's, that's had a previous owner. And, and he says, I, I want that, and I want that, and I want that. And, and the, how much is it? And the keeper guy says, it costs you everything. And Jesus says, fine, I'll pay it. And he died on the cross for us to buy us back. And that is the repurchase of us and bringing us out of that slavery. And that's what we... Come on now. God did an incredible thing, right? Amen. He redeemed us. He bought us back. He paid the price. And we are now owned by him. Another definition of redeem is to, uh, to change for the better. Okay, and I, I see this all the time. I've been in the church my entire life. I was almost born there. I think it was Sunday. Fortunately, we got home before it happened. But, I mean, I've, I've been in church my whole life, and I've, I've seen Christians, a lot of Christians. And really what, what most of us, let's be honest with ourselves, right? Most of us are trying to just get the bad out of our life, right? If things can just be not bad, I'm good. But really... God says, no, 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 I want to redeem you. I want to change you for the better. So I'm not just trying to make it not bad. I'm trying to make it better. So it's the concept of reform, right? So you take that clay and you reform it. You make it better. God wants to get things better. That's the definition of redeem. The third definition I wanted to talk about is this, is to repair and restore. Is another definition. This is my favorite. I love this definition of redeem because what it really means is like, you know, that that muscle car that's in the junkyard. It's trashed. It's rusted. It's the upholstery. I mean, it's a mess. And God comes in and says, I want that. And he brings these sands, all the rust off, redoes the upholstery, everything makes it pristine. And what is he doing? He brings it back to its original intent. To the point that you look at that car and you can't tell if it's 1969, that thing just came off the showroom floor, or if it's today. Because it's been completely restored. And that's what God wants to do, because this is the truth, I'm telling you. God, and God had an intention for you, for you, for your life. He looked at, He looked and said, I've got this job, I've got this thing on the earth that I want done, and I'm gonna make this person to do it. Right. And that's how God. That's what God did with you. He had a purpose for you, a purpose for you and what he wanted for you. So I guess the question is, when we look at this promise um, and these promises are represented in Passover by four cups. Okay, so the question is, why do so few drink from this cup? Why do so few um, go after this promise. And, and 
we can see from the verse why, why that is. Because 87% of Christians never come here. They never go past the first two promises. And why is that? Well, the answer we can see in the verse that we're talking about today, which is Exodus 6.6, 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So why outstretched arm? What exactly does that? I mean, God's got his arm outstretched. That's the emphasis. Why is that? And the issue, the, the reason is this is because we are in a place in our minds, in our hearts, in our belief about ourselves that, that, that is much lower than where God sees us. Right? We don't think enough of ourselves to, to match what God, where God sees us. Right? We don't see ourselves like God sees us, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch. A wretch, like I'm a wretch. I'm, I'm still a wretch. I got saved, so I was a wretch, really. I, we see ourselves as miserable. I met a guy Monday. He said, I asked him how he's doing. Better than I deserve. That is not how God sees us. When God goes through the process of salvation and brings us out. It says, it says in, um, in Psalms, it, it talks about, you, you stoop down to lift me up and make me great. Right? This is inferiority. It's what we deal with. We deal with inferiority. You stoop down. And the Egyptians, they were in mud pits making these bricks with straw and all of that. So he reaches down and he brings us up to make us great. And, and the problem we have is that we're living our lives looking in the rearview mirror. We're, we're often stuck in a place of uh, living with the shame of the past. Right? We let that hold us back. As we look forward and, and you know, uh, I don't know, Eric, about you, but when somebody first talked to you about being a pastor and, and that kind of thing, you, you, I mean, what was in your mind? Like, I don't know. I don't think I could do that. I mean, when, they, when they, the conversations were said to me, I was like, I will never be a pastor because <laughs> this stuff might come up. <laughs> Somebody might find out all the stuff that I was, you know, when I was smoking pot in high school and doing all that stuff like that. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this, actually. <laughs> I don't think about that. Probably shouldn't have said that. I mean, it's like that, right? We all have this stuff and we, and we, we live in this thing and, and, the, the, when the Israelites were in that place of slavery, okay, just think about it for a minute. What were the, what were the Egyptians telling them? You're a mess, and there's no way out. You're a mess, and there's no way out. So when God tells Moses to go tell them, I'm the Lord, I will bring you out, and I will free you, and I will redeem you. I will redeem you. What it means is that God says there is a way out. Right? That's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Right? Satan comes, he, he condemns. You're a mess and there's no way out. Don't you remember what you did last week? You know, you come to church, you're starting to feel like maybe, you know, you're going to have this experience with God. And you get that, yeah, but what about last night? 
You were out partying last night. There's all that stuff. It's that condemnation. You're a, you're a mess and there's no way out. God says, you're a mess. Here's the way out. I will bring you out, I will free you, and I will redeem you. I will redeem you. And that's what the Lord is saying. And, and the devil wants to keep us inferior. Right? This is actually, just so, I mean, some biblical for you true, uh, proof that God doesn't see you still as wretched, miserable, and all that. Okay? Here it is, right here. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. How many would be willing to raise your hand and feel like, I feel like God's masterpiece? Anybody? All right, everybody raise your hand. Come on now. You're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. Right? He has created us anew. You've been made anew. When I finally made the break with sin and that life, and I really came to Christ, I would say it this way. I would say, people would come up, you know, they'd say, well, I thought you were drugging and all that, and I wasn't selling drugs, okay, sincerity. So I thought you were doing all this stuff, you know, what's, yeah, you know, and, and it's what I would say. That was, that was the old me. That was how I used to be. I can make a break. I can separate from that and move forward in this because I'm God's masterpiece. I'm created anew. Anew. So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. And that right there is promise four. But just by the way, we're going to see that next week. Eric's going to bring it, right, Eric? I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, we got so used to high-fiving for five days, 100 miles, everybody's high-fiving. I'm sorry. My wife is like, I'm not high-fiving you. So... I'm working on it. It'll take me a while to get over that. Okay. So this is how God sees you. And basically it's this. God can see the potential in you. God can see the potential in you. Even when you can't. Even when the devil is over here saying, remember, you know what? What you did last time, last night, last week, in your life, remember? God says, "Eh, I have a way out. And I designed you. And I, I see your potential. You know, and I see that in my kids. I can look at my kids, dirty diaper, whatever age, struggling as a teenager, I see their potential. God can see your potential and he wants you to get there. So what about mighty acts of judgment? What is that? That sounds ominous. Is he going to judge me? Am I going to get uh, the hammer, lightning? I saw a couple cartoons like that. I mean, that didn't look good. Now, the mighty acts of judgment that were in play here were the judgments against Egypt. Right? Because basically what Satan does is he brings diversion into your life. Right? Um, he puts things in your way. In fact, there's an illustration of this in, in First Thessalonians where Paul is trying to go visit some people. He says, we wanted very much to come to you. Um, uh, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. And basically the words there indicate like a rut in the road, something that got, gets in the way because Satan is offering us a different plan. He's offering us other opportunities than what God is offering us. Right? So we need to 
we need to stay away from that diversion and recognize the fact that God has something better for us. It's this promise to redeem us, to bring us back to his original intent. So how does that happen? How, you know, how, okay, great. I understand now how it is, but how can I get, how can I move forward? And, and it's really, it's this thing that's called uh, spiritual gifts. Um, and, and God gifts us and God calls us, um, provides these gifts to us. I guess the best way to say it is, um, it's like something that comes natural in a way. It's, it's what we would call a grace. I'm good at that, you would say. And these gifts, this is, these are the things that God put in our lives. He put in each one of us, in ourselves, actually not our lives, in us, to be able to do certain, right? You're better at certain things than others. Like, they don't want me in the nursery. They just, I, some kid would get duct taped to a chair and you stay there and, you know, it would be bad. You know, I, I love my kids, but your kids, I don't know. You know, they just, you should have been harder on them or I don't know what that is. But I don't, I don't have a grace for that at all. I can stand up and talk to people. I can talk all the time. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. Um, I can talk to anyone, anywhere, in the grocery store, etc. I have a grace for that. I have that gift, the gift, the ability to do that type of thing. We all have gifts um, and abilities and things that we can do. Um, so when we talk about spiritual gifts, um, in Romans 11.29, God says this. He says, God's gifts and God's calls are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. So what that means is that God gave you gifts. He put those things in your life. It's his intent for your life to use those gifts. And it is guaranteed for your lifetime. Right? So some of us feel like, well, if, you know, I, I went the wrong way. There's no hope for me. I, I've driven down the wrong road too far. Well, how many of you know that if you wanted to go to Albuquerque, but you drove to Los Alamos in, instead, there's still a road to get you to Albuquerque. There's still a road, and there is still a road in your life to get you to where you are using those gifts to where God intended you to be. Right? And we can get past these, these diversions that, that Satan puts in our life and bring us to that place where we are operating in those gifts. So let's talk about spiritual gifts. We all have different gifts according to the grace given us, us in Romans 12. Another verse is um, following the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians. So we need to, we need to get these spiritual gifts going somehow in our lives. And basically there are three ways that we do that. And this is how we move forward, and how we can live more. And the first gift, the first thing you have to do is discover your gifts, right? I mean, 90% of Christians have no idea what their spiritual gifts are. They just don't know. I mean, how many of you have done a spiritual gift assessment? I mean, yeah, not a few, right? Everyone who went to 301, right? That's right. Because 301 is all that and a bag of chips. High five. Let's <laughs> feeling empty. Right? So, um, you need to discover your gift because everyone has one. 
And, and God had a job for you that he designed you for. So hear this, okay? You can write this on your notes, whatever. Your design, how God designed you, your design reveals your destiny. Right? So if you're struggling, like, you're young, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Uh, I could do this, I could do, yeah, you could. Or you could find out what God designed you for. Because he wrote the book on you. He knows. That's why, that's why you need to connect with God. Because God wrote the book on you. He knows exactly what he designed you for. And if you find out what that design is, it will reveal to you what your destiny is. It says this in Psalms 139, just for proof. You made all, all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, we are his workmanship, is marvelous. How well I know it, right? Another, um, in Ephesians 1, it is in Christ. This is the connectedness. It's in Christ. Read this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. The two most important days of your life was the day you were born and the day you found out why you were born. Right? Long before we first heard of Christ, we got our hopes up. He had his eye on us, had designs for on, on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Right? Desire the Spirit. So you need to discover your gift. Colossians 1.16 For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. So seek your spiritual, seek the Lord for that gift. He put that gift in you. He designed you. He wrote the book on you. Right? And God is never done with you. He never gives up on you, right? He doesn't give up on his plan for you. He is not done. No matter how far west of where he wanted you to go, there is a road to get you back because he doesn't give up. Isn't that awesome? The, the second thing you need to do is develop your gift, Right? So you need to get get involved. In, 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 uh, now I know what it is, and I'm going to start, you know, developing this. You know, so when I realized God was calling me to pastor and to teach and 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 do that kind of thing, I had to take some classes. You know, I had to look for some books, and you know, I found some really cool things. You know, how to preach for life change. You know, and some stuff like that. Communicating for life change sounds good, right? It was good. So, you know, you, you look at you, those kinds of things. You've got to develop your gift, right? In Ephesians, Paul writes it this way. He says, um, But to each one of us, grace, that's the gift, has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip people for works of service. So what is Paul saying there? He's saying you should be in church to develop your gift. Because there are pastors and teachers and all that who are here to help equip you so that you can use your gifts. That's what he's saying, right? It's our job to equip. I mean, that's why we do growth track. You know, it's not like, you know, when I first heard of growth track in a different church, it was a different church, Eric. Um, I, 
I literally thought, oh great, they thought of a plan to get us working. They just need more volunteers. Okay, here's the grove. I don't, I, I don't think that was true for them. It's not true for us. It's not. We want you to live more. We want you to live the best life possible. We say all the time, we have something for you. We don't want something from you. And, and it, it basically boils down to this. Growth track is about getting you into the four promises. Because we know, because we're in the four promises, we've, we're actually experiencing this now, uh, we know that it's awesome. And that it is living the best life possible. And what we're talking about today is Discovery 301. And you need to experience that. You need to come find out what, what your design is so you can experience your destiny. Don't just be stuck in the, to, to this, you know, well, this week's problem. You know, I'm trying to work through, Pastor. Can you help me? Pray with me. There's more. There's more. The third thing, then, after you've developed your gift, is to use your gift. Right? First Peter says this, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well. So that God's generosity can flow through you. When you are using your gift, God's generosity is flowing through you. It may seem like a trivial illustration, but I rode 500 miles on a bicycle. That is not a trivial thing in itself. <clears throat> and I talked to over 300 people about giving. I had, I had 208 submissions people gave. 208 people I convinced to give, okay? Only one of them, sincerity, did I have to really twist their arm. Everybody else was pretty good. So, you know, God's generosity flowed through them because I prayed for every person I asked and I asked God to stir their heart to give. And when they gave, their generosity flowed through to Convoy of Hope. Chris was uh, made a huge statement. I don't even think he realized necessarily how big this was for Kim, uh, the guy from Convoy of Hope. We're being police escorted through um, Carlsbad, not because I was being arrested for the drug thing, but um, we were being escorted through, you know, cop in the back, whee, all those sirens kind of freaking me out a little bit, but we're going through and Chris leans over to, to Kim uh, and he says, it's like they're escorting the poor and the needy as we stand in the gap for them. God's generosity is flowing through us. Great. God spoke to you right there, buddy. God, God's generosity flowed through. And when you use your gifts, God's generosity is flowing through you to others. Amen. Another in Hebrews 6, he says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. Watch this. Not, not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So when you help others, you are showing him love. Right? Does it seem kind of weird? Because like I did the dishes the other night and got the kitchen cleaned up to show my wife that I love her. It's not any different than that. It's not any different than that. Right? Your work shown to him, he considers it love. And the reality is this. This is the, this is the reality of live more. The reality of live more is this phrase. My purpose, our purpose, your purpose, 
is to serve God, to show Him that love by using your gifts by, to serve others. That's it. That's the core. How it happens for you, it's different. It depends on your grace, your spiritual gift. But when you operate in that, you'll experience it. That's why he says, you know, then you'll know I'm God. Because I'm telling you, Kim was like in tears. This guy from Convoy of Hope, he's going to be one of the people using these vans. He's like, the guy was a mess. On on Wednesday or Thursday, he said, it was a very emotional day for me. (laughs) It's okay, man, you know. God working in such a big way, such a big way for them. What I can't wait to see what how God works here and works through them as they use their gifts to serve others. They may be bringing in food to people who have nothing, clothing to people who have very little. And they're gonna they're gonna be the one that says, "Hey, man, I know you. I know you're starving. Here's some food. I know you. Your shirt's all ratted up here." Go here's clothes. Go change in there, and here's some more clothes. This should last you for a while. The power in that, and and when that when you experience that for the first time, you 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 know God is standing right behind you, going right on. That's it. You're doing it. That's what I purposed you for. That's what I designed you for. That was your original intent. That's what I planned before. Before you were ever born, I thought of you, I thought of this task, and I created you to do it. So, I mean, we can, we can stay. We can just kind of try and get through, try to not have the bad. But I just want you to know, if you continue in that, if you're in that situation, and you continue in that, and just staying in the second promise, I'm out of Egypt, kind of working on getting Egypt out of me, and I'm okay with that. If you're there, you're going to miss. You're going to miss the, what God has for you. Because God's intention is for you to live more. To live more. And I mean, I, it's up to you. It's a choice you have to make to decide to step forward past that. To say, okay, my life's been all about me for long enough. And I'm going to make a break with all of this. And I'm going to move forward and live more. And I'm, I'm going to discover my gift. I'm going to develop my gift. I'm going to use my gift. Because I, I want to see who God is. And I want to show God love. And I want to experience what life is really about. And what really is there for me. Amen. So my challenge for you today is, is go to 301, September 27th. You don't know your spiritual gift? I can help you. Um, on 301 is coming up September 27th. It's in the pact with all of them. But um, I, we will hit 301, and I will be happy to share all this information. We'll do, we'll do, it's, it'll be a uh, discovery for you, and you'll be able to see. And we can have those conversations, and I can help you even more after the fact to help you get it, and you'll discover, and you'll see how your design reveals your destiny. I want it, So take one step this week. Secondly, to, to use your, you know your gifts, you've already been in 301, well, come on now, let's get to work, right? Use your gift. Do one thing, go back to your book, 
Hopefully you can find it. Go back to your book and look at where your spiritual gifts were and all that. And do some, one thing. Do one thing this week that is in your spiritual gift. That activates your spiritual gift. And if nothing else, join a small group. Because we got those starting this week. Um, I'm going to pray real quick. I'm a little bit over. I'm going to blame being tired again on the ride. But I really it was because I forgot to watch the clock. Um, let's let's pray and just uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to, if you are not a Christian and you want, you, you realize that that you need to get connected with God. You realize that you're in that place where I don't. Is there more? It's got to be more to life than this. And and you want more. And and you, you're hearing what I'm saying about to really know. You need to know the person who wrote the book on you, who designed you. And if you want that, it's a simple thing. I I just invite you to raise your hand and and, and we'll pray and and you will invite Christ, invite Jesus into your life where you will be, you'll begin that relationship with him. And it's really just, it's the same as, as, you know, becoming a friend with somebody in in terms of interaction. It's just a, it's a simple conversation. I'll say it that way. Simple conversation. So if you want to know Christ for the first time, you've you've never made that uh, statement or that, that um, transition, I guess, from, from a life of slavery a life of, I don't know what's going on, to a path of purpose. You want to make that transition. Just lift, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. All right, let's 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 pray real quick. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Everybody, you know, let's everybody pray. Um, and just repeat these words after me. Um, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. I want a life of purpose. Pastor Robert's been talking about purpose and design and destiny. Lord, I want to know what that is. I've made a lot of mistakes in my past. Forgive me of those things. And I make a break with the past. And commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made, let's, yeah, clap. If you made that commitment, we have a Bible for you. And we won't make you ride 500 miles to get it. It's right out on the table. And we also have this. It's called 10 10 Steps Toward Christ. This book is fantastic to help you Start your journey to freedom. So you just came out of Egypt. That's the good news. This will help you get that heart of slavery out of you. And we have it out there. In fact, we have a small group this semester that's going to go through this book. So sign up for that and pick up those two things.